Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Jacob. And welcome to Rookie Rundown, the sports podcast for the casual fan. This is a special episode about March Madness brackets. Yeah. Um, so what's your base knowledge about March Madness brackets? Are you asking me? Yes. Okay. I don't know why I asked. Like, uh, you'd be asking someone else, like the dog maybe, but you must be me. I'm the only person here. Um, I know the gist of brackets. I know how bracket systems work. It's like teams and they're 2v2, or sorry, 1v1, and whichever team wins goes on to the next bracket. I know how they work. Yeah. In general. Just not a lot about the specifics for the ones for the March Madness tournament. Yeah. I, you know, I have this specific memory of seventh grade math, and my teacher forced us all to do basketball brackets for March Madness. And my parents were not big on basketball growing up, or really any sports. We just were not really a sports-watching family. Um, so I just picked the teams for the bracket by which names I liked best. And I was horribly off, as I'm sure you can guess. Yes, I can imagine that. So I've done one or two brackets since seventh grade, and I've done them all the same way since then. How's that worked out for you? Not well. I'm hoping you're going to tell me how to make my brackets a little better today. Yeah, we're at least going to give it a shot. Why don't you give us the history of March Madness? Yeah, so March Madness, what does it mean? All that fun stuff. So the very first sports bracket was in London, and it was created for a chess tournament. So they randomly drew out the number of the players. There were like eight players, I think, so they drew them out and made them compete against who they were drawn against. And then whoever won those matches went on, and then the people from those matches went on, and that determined to the winner. So that was 1851. In 1939 was the first NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament and bracket. So not quite 100 years, but pretty dang close. And there were eight teams in that original bracket, and Oregon beat Ohio State for first place. Notably, this is the only time Oregon has ever won the NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament. What's interesting is technically this tournament was ran by the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And after that first year, the NCAA decided to take it over. They thought they could market it a little better. And quite frankly, they were right. And that year, 1939, was the first year that that phrase, March Madness, was used by someone. It was not used in connection with the NCAA tournament. It was actually used by an Illinois high school official, Henry V. Porter. Interesting. Yeah. So in 1951, the tournament increased to 16 teams. In 1975, it increased to 32 teams. In 1977, there was the first bracket pool, according to the Smithsonian, and it was at a Staten Island bar. There were 88 people. They each paid $10 each for their bracket, and the winner got all of the money. So, Jacob, you can do the math on that for how much the winner took home. Yeah, they took home eight hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah, in nineteen seventy-seven too. Yeah, that's good money. In nineteen eighty-one, the last consolation game was played. So it used to be, if you were eliminated from the tournament, you still got to play in games, like just for funsies. 
uh, that ended in 1981. Now when you're eliminated, you are done. Yeah, win or go home. Yeah, and in 1982, Brent Musburger used March Madness in a broadcast to describe the NCAA D1 tournament. So that would be the first time that the March Madness phrase was used to specifically describe this tournament. And in 1985, they increased to the 64 teams, which is the current size of the bracket. So that's a little bit of the history. I had no idea any of this before researching for this episode. and I couldn't believe how long it's been. Yeah, it's been around a while. I mean, we know that basketball was first played with peach baskets nailed to a wall in Springfield, Massachusetts. So just spin around. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the bracket is a tournament structure and it's set up like a tree diagram that helps to clearly define the sequence of games in a tournament. And as opposed to the original sports bracket for the London Chess Club or whoever was playing chess in London, uh, this tournament is seeded. So theoretically, the best team gets to play the weakest team and so on and so forth. So what's the benefit of that? The benefit of that would be it's a f- the most fair way to structure the tournament where you're weighing uh, regular season success by giving the teams who did the best in the regular season an advantage, while also theoretically giving everybody the equal shot. They all have to win the same number of games to win a national tournament. Okay, that makes sense. So who uses... March Madness bracket. So the NCAA, which is the National Collegiate Athletics Association, uses them in this case for their men's and women's college basketball national championship tournaments. They also use brackets for a lot of other things. But for March Madness, by far the most popular one to pick who you think is going to win. So that's who's going to win the basketball tournament. Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways to fill out your brackets. As you mentioned, in seventh grade, you probably printed it out, right? Yeah, our teacher printed it out, and it was just like an empty bracket with only the 64 team names filled in. And then we went one by one and looked at, you know, this team plays this team. Who do I think is going to win? And then I would write that name down, and then that would be connected with a line to another team. And I decided who won that match. Yeah, exactly. I know that that when I was in middle school, we did this and everybody put their bracket on their locker. And then as the games progressed, you would check off which teams and you could see how well your classmates were doing. It's kind of before uh, the online ones gained popularity. Yeah, I've I've done an online one in college. I mean, I did not do well. You filled it out. Once again, I picked by name. But yeah, I filled it out on the CBS Sports app. Yeah, that probably sounds right. CBS does one uh, as well as ESPN. Those are probably the two most popular ones to use for this. So it sounds like you could use paper, a website, an app. Yeah, lots of I options. mean, I've used the ESPN mobile app to do the tournament bracket in the before, and it's really easy. I like using the website personally because you can see all the teams at once as opposed to the app where you can only see a couple. So when are they due? So the first games start uh, Thursday mid midday. So they're technically due Thursday morning before the tip-off of the first game. So, like, what time would that be? It'd be, like, 11 Central Time. So Thursday the 17th, that would be St. Patrick's Day. At around 10 a.m., you probably need to have your bracket done yeah, by then. Yeah, definitely. Definitely need to have it done by then. What about betting? Yeah, I mean, there are, if you're in a state where betting is legal, uh, I think if you talk about gambling, you have to mention the gambler hotline, one 800 gambler so 
I really, I didn't know that was a thing. I think so. Every time on the radio when they talk about sports betting, they do reference the gambling hotline. And plus on all the, like if you ever mention it in a podcast, you have to put a little link to the gambling help. Oh, thing. okay. Well, we do not condone gambling in case that wasn't clear. But if we were to, there are lots of options for betting on it with your friends. Like I'm in a work pool, but there are also ways you can bet on those games on apps. And we won't get into a lot of the betting on over and unders and beating so, the spread. Okay, so what's what's a work pool? What is, what does that mean? So, for example, at my office, everybody is putting in twenty five dollars, and you're allowed to put in a bracket, and whoever's bracket performs the best gets to take home seventy five percent of that money, and the second place person gets to take home twenty five percent. Oh, so that's like the Staten Island bar that we were talking about. Yes, in like it is. It's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, what tips should we know for filling it out? Well, first of all, you're not going to get it perfect. There have been no perfect brackets, and the odds of this are extremely high. Like how high? They are 1 in 9.2 quintillion. That is not good odds. Yeah, so So nobody's filling it out. You have better luck of literally winning the lottery. Yes, oh, definitely. So just remember, you're not going to fill out the perfect bracket. You can just give yourself the best shot. There are some tips for what to look out for in teams, though. Like what? So, as we mentioned, the seeding is really important in the basketball tournament because the teams are seeded 1 through 16. And that works because there are four regions. So they're seeded 1 through 16 in each region. There are some common upsets that you should look for when you're filling your bracket out. And these are the ones that are most likely to happen. It's the 10 seed beating the 7 seed the 11 seed beating the 6 seed, and the 12 seed beating the 5 seed. Huh, so why is that? Well, a lot of the time, the higher seed, that's like, a so like the 5, 6, 7 teams, are big schools who just did okay, and they got there because they play in a big conference and they're a big school, so they kind of get some bump due to that. But those teams that are between 10 and 12 are usually smaller schools who are playing really well this season and have earned a right to be there. So they're usually a little bit hungrier and they're probably performing at a higher level as a team. How often do you think that happens? So all of those happen between 35 and 40 percent of the time. Wow, that is a lot higher than I was expecting. So it's a lot higher than you think it would be. And the 12 over the 5 upset is like the most I guess, famous one Most where it common. happens at least once a year. Okay, good to know. What what other things should we know? Well, in the tournament, as I mentioned, there's a lot of bump for teams that do well in bigger conferences and they get overseeded. So there's a couple teams that I'm going to bring up this year and it's Providence and Wisconsin because both of these teams have really good records and they played well, but they won a lot of close games, so they have a slim margin for error when they play. Oh, so what you mean is their record was good, but they had a lot of the games and their record were close, so they got seeded higher, so they're going to be playing against harder teams from the get-go. Well, no, they'll ha- they have a better seed, so they'll play against theoretically weaker teams, but it's just that throughout the season... They haven't always, like, the record's a little deceptive because they've played so many close games that could have changed with just a bounce or two. I also am, like, would warn you about Wisconsin because their best player, Johnny Davis, uh, injured his ankle near the end of the season. So 
he was like most of their offense. So if he is still injured going into the tournament, he definitely won't be 100%. Um, I would just, I wouldn't put them in for any deep run. Yeah, so that's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a two-sided coin. They won a lot of close games, which means that they're used to playing in high-pressure, you know, environments, but also means they don't have a lot of room for messing up. So if they were overseeded, who's underseeded? So a lot of teams that play in smaller conferences um, usually don't get the same respect that other teams do. So the Mountain West Conference has a few of these teams where they probably didn't get the respect they deserve. But San Diego State is definitely one of those teams. A couple years ago, they were an absolute monster, played super well. They have a really good program, as well as the University of Houston, which, of course, is where we live. Um, They went to the Final Four last year, and they're not quite getting the respect that they probably deserve. They're a five seed. So I think that those are definitely some teams to watch out for, as well as the University of Iowa. Though you are just a fan of the University of Iowa. No, I'm a fan of Iowa State. That's what I said. No, no, it's not. They are totally different. Okay, so what other things should you watch out for? Well, I think it's important to remember that while picking by the name is a lot of fun, it should just be a tiebreaker and not your primary choice. Can you provide an example? Yes. So, for example, if you're picking between the University of Vermont Catamounts and the Arkansas Razorbacks, just because Catamount is a really dope name does not mean that you should necessarily pick them just because of that. But that is a pretty dope name. Yeah, and if you were to pick that, that's kind of my sleeper upset pick because Vermont is super good and Arkansas has beaten some really good teams, but is pretty inconsistent. Okay, so what other teams that you might recognize are not having a great? So uh, University of Texas and Ohio State are huge brands, um, but I wouldn't pick them just because you recognize them, as well as, you know, if you're kind of familiar with college basketball, you may think University of North Carolina is a good bet. And they'll probably win a couple games, but you shouldn't have them as a favorite just because they've been around for a while. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so our advice is, remember, you're not going to be perfect, and it's a fun way to interact with your coworkers. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hearing you say that you think it should be fun and not super competitive. Yes, they can both exist. My other tip would be the number one seeds are there for a reason, and they are the best teams in the tournament. So if you're ever in doubt, you can always just put the one seeds to make it all the way to the final four, and you'll probably get a couple of them right. Okay, fair enough. For our final place today, Jacob, who is your favorite NCAA team and why? As in my favorite college team, like in general, or for like... For basketball. For basketball. Man, right now it's probably Iowa State. Um, My other team that I would consider is Pitt, like the University of Pittsburgh, but... They're just so bad at basketball right now. It's just, it's embarrassing. Pitt or Iowa State? I would say Iowa State. No, which one is having a bad year? Oh, sorry. Pitt is having a really bad year. Okay, so did they even make it to the tournament? No, no, they did not. All right, moment of silence for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Yeah, but I'd say that's my favorite NCAA team. They're a lot of fun to watch this year. They play really elite defense and really not elite offense, but... They're definitely a Cinderella team because they can shut anybody down offensively. They should be fun to watch. Yep, they should be. And stay tuned for our next episode where we'll get you caught up on the first day of March Madness games. And we'll discuss the start of the new NFL League year and whatever other breaking headlines come our way. I noticed you didn't ask me who my favorite team was. Allie, who is your favorite NCAA team? 
Gonzagas. I don't know where they're at. I don't know who they are. But boy, do I like their team name. Gonzagas. So it's, much fun. It's just Gonzaga. That's what I said. No, Say it's it not. though. It's fun. Gonzaga is a fun name. Gonzaga. And actually, lucky for you, they're the tournament favorite this year. Thank goodness. You were going to pick them anyway. I was. Perfect. <laughs> Don't forget, new episodes are released on Monday and Friday mornings wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Rookie underscore Rundown or on Facebook at Rookie Rundown Pod to find information about episodes and let us know what sports headlines we should talk about next. And don't forget to keep sports simple, stupid. 